0: Then you will truly be successful. And patience. we know all things work together for the good. Gotta work together. The good Gotta work together. Oh. And we know all things work together for the good. Gotta work together. The good to those who love God. Word on your lips. To those who are God. Jesus, on your to those who are do, purpose. It's, his purpose, mm-hmm. not mine.
1: it's day eighty nine of our ninety day challenge, and the topic for today is alone in a room Revelation, the first chapter, the first verse, the revelation from Jesus Christ which God gave him to show his servants. What must soon take place? He made it known by sending his angel to his servant, John, who testifies to everything he saw. That is, the word of God and the testimony of Jesus Christ. Blessed is the one who reads aloud the words of this prophecy, and blessed are those who hear it and take to heart what is written in it, because the time is near. John, to the seven churches in the province of Asia, grace and peace to you from him who is and who was. And who is to come? And from the seven spirits before His throne, and from Jesus Christ, who is faithful, the witness, the firstborn from the dead, and the ruler of the kings of the earth, to Him who loves us and has freed us from our sins by His blood, and has made us to be a kingdom and priests to serve His God and Father, to Him be glory and power for ever and ever. Amen. Look, He is coming with the clouds. And every eye will see him, even those who pierced him. And all peoples on earth will mourn because of him. So shall it be. Amen. I am the Alpha and the Omega, says the Lord God, who is and who was and who is to come, the Almighty. I, John, your brother and companion in the suffering and kingdom and patient endurance that are ours in Jesus was on the island of Patmos, because of the word of God and the testimony of Jesus. On the Lord's day, I was in the spirit, and I heard behind me a loud voice like a trumpet, which said, write on a scroll what you see and send it to the seven churches, to Ephesus, Smyrna, Pergamum, Thyatira, Sardis, Philadelphia, and Laodicea. I turned around to see the voice that was speaking to me, and when I turned, I saw seven golden lampstands, and among the lampstands was someone like a son of man, dressed in a robe, reaching down to his feet and with a gold sash around his chest. The hair on his head was white like wool, as white as snow, and his eyes were like blazing fire, his feet were like bronze glowing in a furnace, and his voice was like the sound of rushing waters. In his right hand, he held seven stars, and coming out of his mouth was a sharp, double-edged sword. His face was like the sun shining in all its brilliance. When I saw him, I fell at his feet as though dead. Then he placed his right hand on me and said, Do not be afraid. I am the first and the last. I am the living one. I was dead, and now look. I am alive forever and ever. And I hold the keys of death and Hades. Write, therefore, what you have seen, what is now and what will take place later. The mystery of the seven stars that you saw in my right hand and of the seven golden lampstands is this. The seven stars are the angels of the seven churches and the seven lampstands are the seven churches. And that ends our reading for today. Day 89, I guess I'm on a singing tip. I don't know if y'all remember when this song came out, but Yolanda Adams would sing, Alone in a room, it's just me and you. I
0: feel so lost, cause I don't know what to do. Now what if I choose the wrong thing to do?
1: I can still see her cover right now with that blue dress singing, I open my heart to you. But it's the first word alone that caught my attention. And linking that to John on the Isle of Patmos, writing these visions and talking to these churches so that they got letters of instruction from God. I realized that I don't know if John would have been able to get clarity around these letters if he was not alone. It made me also think that sometimes God anoints you for an alone season because it is an assignment that will get you toward vision. Stop being afraid of doing it alone. Sometimes you got to schedule a vacation, with just you and God. Because every time God met his creation alone, it was because he wanted to birth something in them new. Even in Genesis, when God says it's not good for men to be alone, he was saying always. But every once in a while, you've got to steal away from the crowd to get alone with God so that you can get the vision that he's called you to write, fulfill, protect, or communicate. Don't be afraid to be alone in a room. Well, hello. Good morning, good afternoon, depending on where you are in the world. You will be listening to this sermon at a different time. Some of you really, really early in the morning, but my name is Sean Saunders. Happy New Year. I want you to put that in the chat and find somebody that you may not have seen. If you're watching this from Zoom, if it's Facebook, look at somebody else's name and tell them happy new year, happy new year, happy new year. Now, listen, I have an expiration date on how many times I get to hear you say happy new year. If it is March the 1st You cannot tell me Happy New Year. So, somewhere between January 1 and February 1, that is the universal 30 day experience. After that, you can't tell me Happy New Year. All right, so listen, we're gonna talk a little bit about something that I think is counter New Year. That is to say, at the beginning of the New Year, people are always telling you what to start. We have lists called New Year's resolutions that occupy our minds. We wait until December 31st to lose 50 pounds. And then we want to pay off all our debt. And then we want to go to the gym three times a week. And we're talking about all the things that we're going to start. Well, I am a little bit antithetical when it comes to how I look at life. So I'm a deconstructionist at heart. I was going to go uh, study at Duke University in my PhD program long, long time ago. I was going to get a PhD in English studying under Dr. Maurice Wallace, looking at masculinity studies, and I was going to sort of employ the literary theory of deconstructionism. And shortly, uh, to explain deconstructionism, I could say it in one way, kind of turn everything upside down. <laughs> that's the best way I can define deconstructionism. So that's the way I actually approach life. That's how I approach Reading scripture, that's how I approach even conversations. You think I'm coming one way, I'm going to come a whole different way. I like turning things upside down. So instead of going with the culture's way of doing New Year's resolutions, telling you what to start, I want to tell you what to stop. So for our talk today, our conversation that we'll be looking at in scripture, I want you to title this one, Stop It.
0: you're talking loudly on your phone on the train Stop it Or I wait for you in a narrow street and you don't give a thank you wave Stop it If you get to the front of the queue and don't know what you want Stop it People who walk in shopping centres, then just stop Stop it Not replacing the toilet Stop roll, it Leaving voicemails Stop it Grown men wearing links Stop it Not picking up your sick. Stop it If you heat something in the microwave and press stop before it's done But then you leave it as it is and don't make it display the time Stop it oh! Ridiculous. Ridiculous. It's un-Australian, and it must stop. Stop it. Stop it. Stop it. Stop it. Stop. It. stop, it. stop it. And you're walking side by side. Stop it. Or you're one of those folks who stand up straight away on flights. Stop it. Swiping through my photos when I only showed you one. Stop it. Saying 110% it can't be done. Stop Staring it. Staring at your phone while I'm talking to stop you. It. Getting on a flight, then taking off your shoes. It. Press the button heads when you're waiting to stop cross. It. Hit the bottom of the escalator, then just stop. stop it. When you put something back on a random shelf in a supermarket. Stop it. Sending reply alls. Stop it. It's ridiculous. Un Australian. I can't be more blunt about it. Stop it. It's ridiculous. It's not sensible. It must stop.
1: That's it. Stop it. Father, I thank you for this opportunity, this privilege to share with friends, family members, spiritual family members from all around the world. Those who are watching it now live, those who are watching it as a rebroadcast or a replay, those who watching this because a video was sent to them from a friend. I pray God that you would allow your words to speak clearly and that I would decrease so that you might increase so that ultimately you will be glorified in Jesus name. Amen. So our text for today comes from Matthew. Matthew the fifth chapter and I'm going to start at the 21st verse. You have heard that it was said to the people long ago, you shall not murder and anyone who murders will be subject to judgment. But I tell you that anyone who is angry with the brother or sister will be subject to judgment. Again, anyone who says to a brother or sister, Raka, is answerable to the court. And anyone who says, you fool, will be in danger of the fire of hell. Therefore, if you are offering your gift at the altar and there remember that your brother or sister has something against you, Leave your gift there in front of the altar. First go and be reconciled to them. Then come and offer your gift. Said Shorter, stop it. This particular text is a famous text. This pericope, this small caption that I just presented before you is a longer sermon. The Sermon on the Mount. Jesus preaches The longest sermon in chapter form, we have Matthew 5, we have Matthew 6, Matthew 7. There were no chapters as Jesus was teaching, but we have that. And in case within these three chapters, we have the longest discourse that Jesus teaches. And he's not in the temple. He's not in closed doors. He's on a mount. He's out publicly declaring some life lessons for practical understanding. And he covers everything from what it means to be salt and light, what it means to understand the law, what it means to murder or to commit adultery from everything around divorce and uh, swearing an oath, keeping your word, taking revenge, charitable deeds, anxiety, fasting, materialism, treasure, you name it. Jesus is giving us an encyclopedic understanding of how to be more like Christ. And one of the things I think we don't talk enough about is how Jesus didn't have a New Year's resolution. We don't talk enough about how Jesus did not take a particular time of year and decide that would be the year that everything else would change. No, what I see Jesus doing is consistently showing us that the greatest day to change is right now. In fact, when Jesus teaches He's often pulling his show and tell projects from things around him without any preparation. He says, hey, bring that child to me. Yep. Let him come to me. The kingdom is like a child. When the disciples tell him that they don't have enough food and then they tell him their deficit. We have two fish and five loaves. He says, yeah, bring me your deficit. I'm going to give you a demonstration because Jesus knows how to touch things and teach on levels that you understand based on things around you. And what I want to suggest to you is that this particular part of scripture that we are actually looking at right now is consistent with what I'm trying to convey to you. Instead of you focusing this new year on what you need to start, maybe you need to turn it around and focus on what you need to stop. Last year, I did a 90 day challenge on the subject of purpose. And I think when we think of purpose, we may think of several meanings. I won't go into too many details on what I define purpose as, but What I will tell you is that we have been tricked into thinking that purpose is all about what you do in your life. Even Rick Warren, popularized for writing one of the masterful books and resources on purpose, The Purpose Driven Life, I think he gives us a great foundation upon which to build. But the idea that purpose is only for life misses the impact after life. For me, purpose is what you leave in the world after you die. So while many people are overwhelming themselves with meaning about life, my question is, what deposit will you leave in the earth that says, I was here? What book needs to be there when you take your last breath? What organization, what ministry model, what church, what child? Because often the greatest thing you'll ever do is not the position you hold, but the person you raise. So for me, purpose is about your afterlife. For me, the life I live here is just an appetizer. The main course is when I close my eyes, but purpose still speaks for me. It is a deposit. It is the awareness of God's desire for me to serve the world for his glory and for my good. But if we get stuck on life, then we will inundate our lives with to-do lists and checklists and multiple tasks and if you're like me i don't just have to do lists. even when i complete the task i'll write it down so i can cross it off are y'all like me put it in the chat if you're like me i'll write it down just because i like the feeling of having things completed but what i learned last year was to put more focus on stopping some things what are three things you need to stop what are three things that you know i cannot go into this new year doing again. I got to stop procrastinating. I've got to stop ignoring emails that I should respond to. I've got to stop taking on other people's problems. I've got to stop personalizing everything and making it about me. I've got to stop acting as if time has no expiration. I want you to list right now some things that you need to stop. Because Jesus would say, the first thing you need to stop doing is coming bringing me a gift if you know somebody else has an issue with you. You see, all my life, I was misreading this scripture. I thought it said, when you have an offense with your brother or sister, before you can give God a gift, you need to stop be reconciled with that brother and then give your gift to the altar. But what it actually says, I'll repeat it for you. Look at, again, Matthew, the fifth chapter, and the 23rd verse. If you are offering your gifts, said Jesus, at the altar, and there remember that your brother or sister has something against you, leave your gift there in front of the altar. First go and be reconciled to them, then come and offer your gift. And I think point number one, God is saying stop giving gifts to God when you're mean to people who you see every day. You'd be surprised by how many people will rush to the revival and skip the family reunion. you will be surprised by how many people will speak in tongues to a God they cannot see, but they are mean in English to a person they see every day. And one of the things I think God is asking the entire Christian community to stop doing is stop pretending to be something on Sunday that is inconsistent with who you really are on Monday. Stop saying these beautiful, poetic things to a God who is spirit and you see suffering in the world, sickness in the world, sadness in the world, and you simply keep going. Stop it. God is telling some of us today before you tell me what you need to start, you need to then insert what you will stop. Because there can be no new beginning if you are not able to embrace a strong ending. And I think that if I am clear about where you are right now, you're like a tale of two cities. You're at the isthmus of major decisions. And no longer can you stay stuck in this bridge of should I be or should I not be. Today, I need you to stop doing what isn't working because what isn't working isn't supposed to be brought into your new year. The second thing I need you to stop doing is stop abandoning the call for their needs of you. I'm going to say it again. Stop abandoning the call of God for their need of you. What do I mean? I mean this. When you look at Genesis 12, you see this powerful patriarch. His name is Abram. And Abram has had no conversations, no pre-existing moments with God. And he hears from this deity and he hears, go and I will show. Most of us want an entire book or an essay telling us where we're going, why we're going, how we're going, when we should go. But Abraham gets one word. Can you trust God even if he gives you one word? Abraham doesn't even know who this God is, and yet he's willing to obey and forsake. And what I know to be true is that if Abraham was as amazing as he is, and he was, and if Abraham was the patriarch of his family and people depended on him, and if Abraham was the breadwinner, if you will, I promise you that somebody needed Abraham Monday morning to mow the lawn. Promise you somebody needed Abram to pay the mortgage. I promise you somebody needed Abram. And Abram was willing to forsake the need to obey the call. Stop ignoring God's call on your life simply because of their need. Because what I've now understood is that sometimes your need is actually the distraction away from the call. And in this season, I only want to be around people who want to be around me but I also only want to be around people who trust the God who is leading me. If you feel like you've got to pick your friends in order to support their dreams, even though they don't want you to follow God, then God is the one that is asking which matters more. You'd be surprised by how many people feel scared to tell their friends about what God is doing in their lives out of fear that they will lose their friends. Let me tell you the truth. No friend that is sent from God will be intimidated by the call of God on your life. Just maybe, what you need to stop doing is breathing life into friendships that have no longer worked for what you need. So many of you have reduced your God-sized dream into the pocket of another person's perspective. And I want you to stop allowing their perspective to stall your purpose, stop it. Another thing we need to stop doing, we need to stop being super spiritual over things that are not spiritual at all. If you know that someone is offended by you, stop ignoring a necessary conversation. Have the conversation because what the Lord told us inside of this text is that he won't even receive your gift if you know that someone else has an offense with you. So that means, Sean, that you could have total freedom as it relates to where you are in your life. Everybody's good. You are healthy and whole. But if you happen to hear from a friend of a friend of a friend that someone was offended by something you said, something you did, or something you did not intend to do, but it affected them, it is your responsibility to restore the brother, to go to the sister, and to have the necessary conversation because you are the one that God is counting on to stop doing some things. Stop petty behavior. Stop gossiping in the name of prayer requests. Stop praying in the spirit and not talking to people in English. Stop it. And when you stop it, then you're able to embrace everything that God has for you. Forgiveness, in my opinion, is one of the most difficult cookies to bite into. When you're really looking at human hurt, you'll always find that there's something to forgive and someone to forgive. But the first step, and this is what I want you to write down, the first step is to realize that we can't give unforgiveness a permanent key to the door of our hearts. Eventually, it has to go. Jesus tells us to do this. Number one, admit it, it bothered me. Number two, confront it. How can I fix it? And number three, forgive it. Let it go, because at the end of the day, unforgiveness is the poison you drink, expecting everybody else around you to die. In my opinion, the hardest part is to forgive. But everything we do, even the hard stuff, is for God's glory and for our good. Take Jesus. Jesus, our example. Jesus, our Savior. He has done nothing wrong. And yet in the middle of his most difficult season, he looks at the very people that he came to die for. And he says, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. And I'll never forget when that scripture really became crystallized for me. The love I have for my daughter, she's nine years old now. I would give her the world. But when she was one or two years old, if I had written a check for my daughter, to communicate my love, and the check was a million dollars because I borrowed it from Isaac's account. If I gave my daughter that check, what would she do? She would rip it up because she doesn't understand the value. And in the same way, some of you are giving all of yourselves to people who just don't understand your value. Stop giving gallon-sized love for pint-sized people. Even when you pour into them, They overflow, but they cannot pour in to you. So you've got to learn how to apportion your poor so that you're not disappointed in their inability to give you what you gave them. And this is what I think we need to stop doing. Stop expecting them to be you. Stop expecting that they'll respond with an apology. Stop expecting that they will take the high road. Stop giving them the credit that only you can do because you have the emotional and the spiritual maturity to do it. Today, I want you to make a list, check it twice, not of what you're going to start doing, but what you're going to stop doing. Father, in the name of Jesus, I thank you for this time. I thank you for this word. I thank you for the trust that you have allowed to be shared in this moment. And I pray that as I was talking, that your people are now listing some things that need to be stopped once and for all. We can't do this without you, but I trust you. In Jesus' name, amen.
0: I couldn't seem to fall asleep there was so much on my mind Searching for that peace But peace I could not find So then I knelt down to pray Pray help me please Then he said you don't have to cry Cause I'll supply all your needs I stopped worrying, worrying how the story and gave it to God. I let go and I let God I surrender all let God have His And way. That's, when that's when things start happening And I stop I looking at that That's when I, I let, let go, go and I, I, let, go. I let God There was so much going on Sometimes I couldn't find my way And oftentimes I struggled Struggled from day to day I had to realize that it's not my battle It's not my battle oh, to fight I had to know if I put it in its hands. That everything would be alright As, as worrying, soon as I stopped worrying, worrying story I is, couldn't sleep at I night let go and I let So go I, I had, had to let go and then, to and then it began when to I change And then it began to change I had to I let go, let go. So let go and release control Cause God is smarter than me He knows how to handle it He knows how to handle them
1: Exodus 14, 14 says The Lord will fight your battles You need only to be still Come on, everybody say let go,
0: let God, let go, let God, let go, let go, let let God let go, let go, let God surrender control, surrender control. God can handle, He is smart, He is better. Let go Let go Let go Let go worrying, And we know all the things worrying, how the story Work is. together for the I good and lean not unto your own understanding in all of your ways acknowledge him and he will direct your path so i let go Let go, let God, let God have His
1: way.